Ciao, my name is Umberto Mucci and this is Witty Italian News, a podcast about Italy during coronavirus times. Today is Wednesday, January 27, 2021. The data updated last night say that in Italy we have administered the first dose of the vaccine to 1,526,000 people, 2.52% of the population. 226,000 of them received the second dose too. The ranking of the regions by percentage of vaccinations made compared to the doses delivered say that in the first three places uh, from the top are Piedmont, Veneto and Tuscany, and the last three places from the bottom are Calabria, Molise and Abruzzo. At the moment Italy is in the eighth place in the world for the number of people vaccinated. In the EU we are second after Germany in absolute but first with respect to the percentage of population vaccinated. As every January 27th, uh, Italy marks today the International Holocaust Remembrance Day, with hundreds of memorial events in Rome, Milan and about 60 other Italian cities on the 76th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. Many of the commemorative initiatives will be online this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic and new Stolperstein memorials will be unveiled in Rome and Milan. Superstein memorials are bronze-capped cobblestones installed outside the last chosen place of residents of victims of the Holocaust, detailing their first and last names, date of birth, date and place of deportation, and date of death in a Nazi extermination camp. This year there have been 31 new Superstein installed in Milan and 21 in Rome, including one dedicated to Emma Di Veroli, a two-year-old girl who, is the, who was deported from the city's Jewish ghetto area in October 1943 and killed on her arrival in Auschwitz. Rome will host an exhibition entitled From Italy to Auschwitz at the Museo della Shoah near the city's Great Synagogue, which describes the story of all the Italian Jews arrested between 1943 and 1944 and deported to the Auschwitz-Birkenau extermination camp. <coughs> In last Monday's video, I anticipated that the crisis of the Italian government could lead to its resignation, and indeed, that is what happened yesterday. I understand that you asked me to try to explain what happens. I'll try. In the Italian institutional system, now the head of the government communicates his resignation to the President of the Republic, who takes note of it and begins what are called consultazioni, which translates to consultations. He receives the official groups present in Parliament to understand if there is a name to be given the task of forming the new government because, according to the consultations, he would have the majority in Parliament, which the Italian Constitution requires to form in a new government fully in charge. At this point then start three parallel processes. The first process, the official and institutional one, foresees that the President of the Republic will receive the presence of the House and Senate today, and then between tomorrow and the day after tomorrow, the different parliamentary groups starting from the smallest to the largest. At this moment there are eight groups in Parliament, even if a new one is being created specifically to allow the head of the government, who resigned yesterday, to have a large majority and to receive the task of forming a new government once again. The second process is the private political one, where politicians negotiate 24-7 to try to get the best for them, and maybe for the party, but not always, and then maybe eventually for the voters, but not necessarily. The third process, the mediatic one, involves numerous statements by the main political figures who say what is convenient for them to say in order to gain votes, which is not necessarily, indeed it is almost never, what they have said to the President of the Republic, nor what they say privately to their allies and to those who have not been their allies until yesterday, but could be tomorrow. 
Therefore, in order to understand what is really going on, an army of commentators and journalists analyze all day long not only what is said, but also how it is said, when it is said, to whom it is said, in which context it is said, which words are chosen and which aren't, the silences, the smiles, the facial muscles, nowadays difficult to read because of the masks, the winks. There is a whole world of profilers, psychologists, mentalists and fortune tellers that in these three days join the usual virolog virologists in the endless TV shows that occupy the day of Italians, or at least those who still watch TV. Following this calendar, therefore, <coughs> next Friday evening we may know if the head of the previous government has managed to convince, or should I, sh or should I say by, maybe by, a sufficient number of parliamentary, uh, parliamentarians to give him their vote again, or it will be necessary to try another name and at that point we may have to start all over again. But as I tell you when reluctantly I am forced to talk about Italian politics, uh, there are almost no certainties. Perhaps the only certainty is that the good of Italy is very unlikely to be in the hearts and minds of the protagonists of this dark market. With the exception, in my opinion, <coughs> and that of the majority of Italians, of the President of the Republic, Sergio Mattarella, who in these situations has the extremely delicate and difficult role of acting as an impartial referee in this sort of wrestling match between immature children, in which the pain and bruises from the fights actually hurt all Italians. But I don't want to end this video with the bad things of Italian politics. <coughs> A few days ago, the Global Remarkable Venue Awards 2020 were awarded the international prize with which museums and attractions all around the world are evaluated for their ability to offer their users exceptional discovery experiences. Well, there are seven categories and the Catacombs of San Gennaro in Naples won the title of World's Best Experience in the Best On-Site Experience category. <coughs> The victory is the result of the countless positive reviews left by visitors, a recognition that confirms the commitment, dedication, professionalism and passion with which Cooperativa La Paranza has been managing this extraordinary Neapolitan heritage site. The catacombs of San Gennaro are cemeterial areas dating back to the second century after Christ, located underground in Naples in correspondence with the, the, the Sanità district. It is a unique place to learn about the Christianity of the Neapolitan people through the ancient burials of the first Neapolitan Christians and bishops of the city. The area of the catacombs covers 6,700 square yards dug into the tufa of the hill of Capodimonte and accommodate about 3,000 burials. The catacombs have been closed for years and only the effort of some young Neapolitans gathered by an exceptional priest in a cooperative was able to reopen for everyone this wonderful place in 2006. In the cooperative there are archaeologists, restorers and art historians who are involved in the study, supervision and restoration of the frescoes and mosaics in the catacombs. The cooperative takes its name Paranza from the boat used by the fishermen that also gave its name to the famous recipe of frittura di Paranza, an assorted fry of small fish that, as often happens, was born out of necessity. It was made with unsold fish that was too small. And this cooperative was also born from young people who had no work, so they too were a bit unsold and who today see their effort and love for the neighborhood rewarded at an international level. So please, as soon as you can, please come back and visit Italy and come back to Naples, a unique place in the world without which our planet would be sadder and uglier and poorer. And visit the catacombs of San Gennaro, please. 
It's all for now. It's all for today. My name is Umberto Mucci. This was We the Italian News. I'll see you next Friday, probably not with the new government yet. My name is Umberto Mucci. Ciao from Rome.